Hi, this is Ben Kaspit. Welcome to On Israel. It was a particularly ugly divorce. The blue and white party, the first real alternative to challenge Benjamin Netanyahu in the past generation, broke apart with a bang a few weeks ago. The kids, meaning over one million Israelis who had voted for the party, were left embarrassed and despairing, asking themselves which side to take, moms or dads. Instead of beating Netanyahu, blue and white leaders Benny Gantz and Gabi Ashkenazi joined him. Together, they formed Israel's biggest ever government, supposedly to extricate Israel from the corona crisis. According to the deal, in return for his support, Netanyahu will allow Gantz to take over as prime minister in 18 months. Meanwhile, Gantz's former partners, Yair Lapid and Bogi Yalon, have been relegated to the opposition where they are sticking to their guns, determined to withhold the seal of approval from a prime minister's standing trial for bribery, fraud, and breach of trust. Today, less than two weeks after the government took office, the full extent of Gantz's troubles is somewhat clearer. The corona crisis is alive and kicking, with a new wave of infections looming. The economic crisis, too, has yet to peak. Netanyahu has opened an unbelievable lead in the polls. His popularity surging despite the opening of his trial, double-digit unemployment and political chaos. Although Gantz made sure to cement his rotation deal with Netanyahu in law, it's hard to see Netanyahu stepping aside when the time comes in November 2021. The immediate and toughest blow for the anti-Netanyahu camp is the burial of their electoral alternative and Bibi's return as the unchallenged ruler whose followers believe is the only man able to run one of the world's most complicated states. The blue and white uh, breakup has put Netanyahu solidly back in the game as a one-man show. The fragments of what briefly seemed a viable alternative are far smaller than the whole they comprised just three months ago. Gantz is behaving like, like Netanyahu's hostage, mum on the issue of his new partner's corruption trial, while Lapid and company are busy slinging mud at their former partners. Bibi, meanwhile, is busy leveraging all his assets for his personal benefit, of course. The coronavirus, the, the annexation, the political chaos, and the recent amazing poll results indicating that 42% of Israelis believe the country's law enforcement authorities are framing Netanyahu, a great leader, white as the driven snow, hounded by a deep state conspiracy. With all this in mind, no one would be overly surprised if Netanyahu finds an excuse to dismantle the so-called unity government before the time comes to hand over to Gantz. Netanyahu is a poll addict, and with such favorable numbers, he may give in to temptation. If President Trump is re-elected in November and the annexation goes ahead as planned without exacting a toll on Israel, Netanyahu would consider engineering a quick elections, which he hopes would finally give him the prized Knesset majority he had failed to win in the three elections of the past year. He would then try to change the system of the government and somehow avoid conviction even from the dark at Jerusalem's district court. Our guest today was a leading Israeli journalist for decades who founded the Yeshatid party with Yair Lapid eight years ago. They are good friends and particularly tight political allies. Knesset member Ofer Shelach is considered Lapid's right hand, but in fact, 
is more of his left hand, judging by his political persuasion. An officer in the paratroopers, injured in Lebanon, sharp and outspoken, Shelach has become overnight one of the most prominent lawmakers in the Knesset. We will be talking with him about a wide range of issues, the breakup of blue and white, Netanyahu's trial, the corona crisis, and Netanyahu's intention to take advantage of Trump's time in office in order to annex some of or all of Israel's settlements in Judea and Somalia. Coming up, Knesset member of Shelach, right after a short commercial break. If you're listening to this podcast, you obviously care about the Middle East. And if you do, you should probably be reading El Monitor. El Monitor is a global newsroom headquartered in Washington, D.C., with a network of over 160 contributors around the world. El Monitor offers first-class reporting and analysis from a range of perspectives and an approach that represents the highest journalistic standards, as well as an award-winning commitment to press freedom and independence. If you haven't done so already, visit us at elmonitor.com, check out our articles, and sign up for our free newsletters. There's a lot to choose from, including the Week in Review, an essay that offers unusual insights and forecasts into the region based upon El Monitor's outstanding reporting. And if you haven't done so, please subscribe to our El Monitor podcast on your favorite podcast platform, on Israel with Ben Caspit and on the Middle East with me, Andrew Parasoliti. Knesset member Ophel Shelach, thanks for joining me on our On Israel podcast. Thanks for having me. Okay, let's begin. How, uh, how do you explain the fact that despite the start of his trial and uh, the deepening economic crisis, Netanyahu's popularity and poll numbers just keep rising? Well, uh, it, it's, it's always tough to tell, especially with, uh, with polls, why things are happening. But I, I guess right now what we're seeing is the, uh, the outcome of the, uh, the fact that uh, Benny Gantz decided to enter Netanyahu's government. So right now Netanyahu is seen as a leader without any competition. And uh, the, uh, I, I don't think that, that uh, tells us anything about what would happen uh, should there be elections. But uh, right now he seems to be the only leader around and, and that is reflected by his numbers. In, uh, in hindsight, do you think uh, you were right to break up blue and white and stay out of the unity government? You could have been much more influential today from inside the government and remain united as, uh, as a viable electoral alternative. Well, uh, there are a couple of um, you know, factual points that I beg to differ with. Uh, we didn't break up blue and white. The, the person who broke up blue and white was Benny Gantz when he decided to... Uh, just when we were about to complete the move that we were making in the Knesset, he decided to uh, enter Netanyahu's government. And uh, this is not a unity government. This is a Netanyahu-led government. He now has uh, 60, or no matter how you count it, he has a majority right now. And what's left of blue and white is, is anywhere between 15 to 19. So uh, it's basically a Netanyahu government. And I, I can tell you for myself, if, had I stayed... Uh, for example, I'd, had I entered the government, I would have been in a, a post that I, I really uh, uh, would like to be in, such as finance minister or, or justice uh, minister and so on. But it would have been impossible for me to be in that government 
being the government that it is. And I'll, I'll give you just one point. Uh, and that is the, uh, the fact that uh, Benny Gantz decided to give Netanyahu complete control over the question of annexation. Come July 1st, Netanyahu could move forward on an annexation basically without asking uh, anyone's permission. He has permission from the United States and that's it. And I could never be, uh, uh, with my views, I could never be in that, such a government. So basically, I don't feel like I, I or, or Yeshatid have lost uh, on any, any real point because it would have been impossible for us to enter the government under those conditions. We will come to the annexation in a moment, but before that, you seem to ignore the fact that it's a parity government and Netanyahu cannot take any uh, major decision. He cannot nominate a, a new attorney general, chief of police, without the, the, the agreement of, uh, uh, without Benny Gantz agreeing and signing the same, the same uh, uh, decision. So the, the, their hands are on the wheel so, and, and you're not there. They miss you. Nah. This is, this is ridiculous. The, uh, it's, it's no longer, even, even officially, a parity government because Netanyahu has more ministers than Blue and White could ever have. They have all the important posts, and, and the one post that is, is important that's left for Blue and White, which is the uh, justice minister, is, hand, is, is handcuffed because uh, he can't uh, move towards any legislation without permission from Likud. And, and uh, in the Knesset, the, the committee in the Knesset, is, is uh, led by a person from uh, the, the Haredi uh, party, from Yadut uh, Torah. Uh, so uh, they, they have no influence on anything that's going on, not in, in uh, fighting COVID-19, not in uh, um, uh, security matters. And uh, the fact, and they, am, am I supposed to rejoice in the fact that they, that they cannot nominate a, a uh, chief of police without consulting each other? I don't think that's enough to uh, do what they did. If Netanyahu does indeed step aside and hand over the reins to Gantz, what do you feel that you have missed out? Well, I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, it's a, it's a question uh, we'll see in, in a year and a half. But right now you look at it, and Netanyahu has no reason other than, you know, keeping his words, something that Netanyahu is really known for, uh, uh, especially in the political context. Uh, uh, he, he has no reason to do that. He has, as I said, uh, uh, a 60 or, or something, 60 something seat majority. Uh, uh, he's paid his, uh, Gantz has at most 19. There's no reason for Netanyahu. He, the, you mentioned the polls. So right now, other than good faith, uh, I don't see Netanyahu having any reason to, to keep that agreement. Uh, but, but you have the legislation, legislation. you have the law, uh, the rotation law. So I'll ask you this question. Yair Lapid recently said that Yeshatid would vote with Netanyahu if he tries to change the rotation law in order to engineer a new election. Would you really do that, enable him to run again and prevent Gantz from uh, becoming a prime minister? What, what kind of objective is it for us to have Gantz as prime minister? It's a, we are the opposition. Our job is to bring down the government. Should the, uh, Netanyahu or anybody else move in that direction, of course we'll support it. 
but we think it's a, it's a horrible government. It's a horrible government in that it has 36 ministers and, and possibly 16 uh, deputy ministers. It's a, it's a horrible government vis-a-vis -vis its policies. So, uh, uh, of course, we'll do anything possible to bring it down. It's, a, it's not our objective that Netanyahu would hold that this rotation, which we don't really think that he's going to do. And, and uh, um, that, I think it's, it's, it, it, it's, you know, contrary to our nature as opposition to uh, not try to bring down the government as soon as possible. Wasn't the, the real goal of the, the you know, the anti-Bibi camp to change and to, to, uh, to send Netanyahu home to deal with his, uh, with his uh, trial and do anything in order to get it? Yeah, but look what they did. They already agreed and they've actually passed a law, passed a bill that enables Netanyahu, even should he be convicted in, in the... Uh, Unless, until it's a final conviction in, in the Supreme Court, he, he's allowed to remain as prime minister, he's allowed to be alternate prime minister, whatever that means. And, and actually, Blue and White or Benny Gantz, what they did is make that kosher. The thing that we ran on, the thing that, 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 that was, as you said, the main reason for uh, uh, the, the formation and the, the campaign of Blue and White, which was we will not allow the, a situation where someone who was indicted on three counts, one of them bribery, to be prime minister in Israel. Uh, so now you're saying, no, 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 that it be, you know, he signed this agreement or passed this, this bill, which, as you know, can be, uh, you know, revoked with 61 votes in the Knesset or even less, uh, uh, that he will do it in a year and a half. I've, I think the, the um, and also, uh, uh, you look at the reasoning the, uh, the Supreme Court justices gave for their uh, uh, decision not to intervene in this very, um, as, as was said by uh, Chief Justice Mazuz, this, this immoral agreement or immoral law that they passed. They said, well, what we see is the majority in the Knesset that wants to form a coalition, we will not intervene. So basically what Benny Gantz did is in fact make, a, uh, make it official and make it a law in Israel. That's something that we ran on and said it would, it's impossible. Something that is both immoral and shouldn't be allowed politically. Now it's official, now it's a law, and now it was ratified by the Supreme Court. So uh, uh, for us, that's a, there's no question that we can't be a part of that. Mentioning uh, Justice Mazuz, what did you feel when, when the, the, the Supreme Court uh, voted 11 to, to zero and, and allowed Netanyahu to stay at a prime minister with the with the criminal trial and charges against him. Well, once again, you know, I I think the, uh, the what the the uh, justices saw, the Supreme Court justices saw in front of them was a situation where 80 members of Knesset uh, told them that it was okay with them, and where the should the uh, should the, the Supreme Court have intervened. They would have, uh, uh, you know, everybody would have said, not only sworn enemies of the Supreme Court, that they are trying to force a fourth election. It was on them. And this is, the, you look at the way they ruled when we moved blue and white back when blue and white was together to remove or, or to have a vote to remove uh, the chairman of Knesset Edelstein, how active they were uh, uh, on that, uh, in, in that case. 
and the, the very passive position that they took this time. And you understand the ramifications of what Benny Gantz did. As I said before, he made it legal now. He made it now. We have a law and we have a, a Supreme Court ruling that make it legal for a, a person with three indictments, including one for bribery, to be prime minister in Israel. So they, I don't think the, the Supreme Court justices had any other alternative because they looked at it from the, the, the point of view of the law. But had the political situation been different, I think they would have had a different verdict, and they say that themselves. Last, uh, last question about the political chaos in Israel. Your harsh comments about Gantz sound a lot like what the Likud was saying about him during the election campaigns. It seems that the Likud was right when it, it called Gantz weak, hesitant, half-baked. Well, you know, you, in politics, you have to choose between the real alternatives. And, and still, having said all I said and having uh, thought that, and, uh, and I still do, uh, I still think it would have been better for Israel had Blue and White, led by Benny Gantz, won the elections, and we would have had, we would have avoided this, this horrible situation that we're in right now. So, uh, uh, and I don't know of any other way other than when you're part of a political group, you fight, you do your best uh, uh, to, for, for that group to succeed. Now, did I think similar things about Benny Gantz uh, uh, before he entered politics or during his time in politics? Yes, I did. And, and, and in my case, you know, some of what I thought about him was in writing. So I can't even, uh, uh, you know, say now that I didn't mean it. But, but uh, uh, once again, we had political facts between, uh, before us. We made political decisions. I don't regret those decisions. But uh, uh, I'm sorry to say, and, and having said that, you know, nobody could have really predicted that Gantz was going to fold the way he folded. Right at the moment we were about to complete our move in the Knesset, have our own uh, chairman of Knesset, and, and being able to uh, uh, move forward with legislation that would have forced Netanyahu's hand. And, and that collapse, uh, I didn't see coming and nobody else saw coming. Let's go to, to the annexation issue. As uh, someone well-versed uh, in security issues, uh, do you believe Netanyahu will go, will go all the way with the annexation? Will he annex all the settlements in Judea and Samaria, or only parts such as those in the Jordan Valley and maybe the, the Etzion block? I don't know. I don't know. The, the, what worries me is the, right now, because of the coalition agreement, this is completely in Netanyahu's hand. The, it, it's a specific article in the coalition agreement that says that re, regarding annexation, Netanyahu has to consult Benny Gantz, I don't know what that means, and he has to get permission from the United States, which he already has. So right now, it's only up to Netanyahu to decide. Now, you and I uh, uh, know Netanyahu, we've studied him, uh, you even more, more than me, and you know that, you know, a year ago, we would have said Netanyahu would never do that. He was prime minister for over 10 years, never thought about, talked about annexation, but never really thought about doing it. It's a different Netanyahu now. He has different reasons. And, and the way he seems to be moving is, uh, indicates that, that uh, yes, he's moving in that direction. And what worries me is there's nothing now. That, that Blue and White or anybody else can do about it, it's strictly up to him. And as someone who thinks that annexation would mean the end, at least in the foreseeable future, of any chance of an agreement with the Palestinians and possibly an uprising in the West Bank, that's very worrying. 
maybe maybe blue and white can try to to influence the american administration i know that the senior officials and members in the administration are not very happy with annexation right now people like gerard kushner maybe ivanka trump i don't know you know they, they, when it came up right after the presentation of the trump plan uh the the person who stopped it Netanyahu was, was going to go about it, at least said he was going to go do it in in several within several days and the person who stopped it was jared kushner i don't hear kushner right now maybe he's behind some of the things that we're hearing from the jordanian king from from uh some gulf states and and the the uh the saudis and so on and maybe even the europeans i don't know right now it's it seems as though the United States doesn't really care. It has its own problems. It's grappling with COVID-19 and, and it, it has elections coming and so on. And, and uh, so right now, I don't hear the voices that I heard right after the, the uh, announcement or the presentation of the Trump plan. So uh, uh, maybe uh, uh, Mr. Gantz and Mr. Ashkenazi are talking to some people. Right now, I don't see any influence. And, I, and once again, I have to go back to that. They gave up. They signed an agreement that basically gave up or, 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 or canceled any official uh, uh, um, capacity that they had or power that they had to stop annexation. Right now, it's up to Netanyahu to decide whether to do it and what to do. As you said, Jordan Valley, Gush uh, Etzion, uh, or whatever, it's, it's completely up to him. And we have to remember that Netanyahu has pressure from his right and, and uh, the, the fact that Yamina is out of the coalition worries me because then Netanyahu has to, to cater to his base because the base is not represented in the government. So right now, I don't see any indication that he's not going to do it. I, I also read the, the uh, you and I read the interviews that he gave over the weekend. He indicated that he's going to do it. I don't see any power that, that Blue and White has to stop this. I want to challenge you from the other side, uh, Knesset member Ofer Shelach. Why actually is annexation a problem? Assuming it's carried out in coordination with the President of the United States, after all, it's a historic opportunity to finally draw Israel's eastern border, which may never uh, present itself again. Uh, yeah, but to draw the border where uh, the, 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 uh, a viable Palestinian state could not uh, uh, be there, and, and I'm, when I'm talking state, yes, I do agree with Netanyahu that it has to be demilitarized, and there have to be security arrangements, uh, uh, including in the Jordan Valley and so on. But uh, you look at it, and anybody who knows anything about the, the conflict and the negotiations that already took place in, in on several instances in the Middle East knows that this means that the Palestinians, uh, uh, the way the Palestinians are going to see it, is as a declaration by Israel that it's not interested even in negotiations and a two-state solution. And what I fear, I don't think we're going to have a third intifada right away, but what I fear is, that, and it, it has already started, that the, 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 the PA is going to say, well, it's your problem, basically. Yes, we'll do some things, we'll, we'll handle some things that, that are uh, uh, for our own benefit, but basically it's up to you, and we will be sucked into the situation both for security reasons, for, for uh, uh, civilian reasons, and will be sucked in uh, uh, into the West Bank once again. And then, you know, any incident could cause an armed uh, uprising. To say nothing of the fact that, that yes, the, 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 even the idea 
of a two-state solution, which in my mind is the only viable, after 53 years, it's the only viable solution that we see to, for separating ourselves from the Palestinians. All of that will, will die for the foreseeable future. So uh, uh, the, the whole idea, I think one of Netanyahu's successes was, was to plant in the Israeli mind, collective mind, the idea that the, the, the Palestinian question is a zero-sum game. It's we give, they take, and so on. If you see it as a zero-sum game, there will never be a solution. Instead of, of using the Trump plan as a basis to, to uh, uh, you know, large, make the field larger, move in uh, uh, with other forces in the Middle East, with, with stability-seeking entities in the Middle East, and, and create something larger, this will, and the whole idea that, uh, that is reflected also in your question that says, yes, let's see what we can, you know, sort of grab while, while the going is good, while we have a, a president in the White House that allows us to, allows us to do it. I objected that idea. And, and uh, I think what will happen is that for many, many years, separation from the Palestinians, which I think is essential for Israel, is Israel's future as a, a Jewish democratic state, will be impossible. Finally, uh, Ofer, uh, I wanted to, to ask you something about the, the COVID-19 virus. You were head of the Special Knesset Corona Committee. As of now, the number of dead and infected Israelis is low, and the state seems to have dodged the horror figures we saw in Italy, Spain, Britain, Britain and the United States. Do you think Netanyahu has done a good job handling the crisis? No, I think, I think Israel came into that, and I have uh, many proofs of that, came into this, this uh, didn't use the uh, two months that it had basically until, until the, the plague became, the, the danger became real, a real danger in Israel. That is from the end of January till the end of March to prepare itself in, in the right way, especially on the level of decision-making. Decision-making and an operative body which should have been there to handle the problems. Instead of that, this was done in, in, without information, without intelligence, and, and without, uh, uh, you know, with, with sort of local uh, micromanagement decisions. And so the only option that uh, uh, was still on the table was to put a blanket, to put a complete closure on the Israeli economic life, which even if you consider only lives, I think this will cost us more lives than, than uh, uh, even COVID-19. And, and uh, um, right now, uh, you look at it, yes, the, 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 the numbers of dead and, and uh, those who need ventilation are, are low, and I'm very, very happy for that. But the economic price that we paid, some of which we could have avoided, uh, uh, will cost us dearly in the short and medium uh, uh, term future. My last question, the same uh, subject, is that uh, the government has prepared draft legis legislation that grants broad draconian powers in the fight against the coronavirus, which limit individual freedoms without requiring Knesset approval or emergency laws. What do you think about this move? I think it's the terrible legislation. And I, and I think its, it's, it's purposes, uh, you know, the, the, the way for um, uh, a regime to, to get a hold um, or, or to keep its grasp on people is fear. 
you, you make them fear of the light Netanyahu came out and said there are going to be a million people uh, uh, ill and then 10,000 dead and so on, which was, had no basis in any kind of, of intelligence or analysis uh, uh, that we had at the time and de definitely uh, nothing that we have right now. So uh, I don't see it, you know, as the end of Israeli democracy, but I see it as another indication of a government that doesn't think, uh, uh, doesn't take the, the uh, benefit of its, its citizens as the first and foremost consideration. And, and I think it's a legislation, we, we are going to uh, uh, oppose it, we're going to, do, to try our best to uh, change it and, and repeal it, and if not, change it. And, and, but we also need to oppose the state of mind uh, uh, out of which such legislation, from which such legislation uh, stems. And, and this is a state of mind that Netanyahu has been propagating ever since the beginning of this crisis. Knesset member of Shelach, it was fascinating. Thank you very much. Thank you. We'll be back shortly after a commercial break with some final thoughts. Stay with us. If you're listening to this podcast, you obviously care about the Middle East. And if you do, you should probably be reading El Monitor. El Monitor is a global newsroom headquartered in Washington, D.C., with a network of over 160 contributors around the world. El Monitor offers first-class reporting and analysis from a range of perspectives and an approach that represents the highest journalistic standards, as well as an award-winning commitment to press freedom and independence. If you haven't done so already, visit us at elmonitor.com, check out our articles, and sign up for our free newsletters. There's a lot to choose from, including the Week in Review, an essay that offers unusual insights and forecasts into the region based upon El Monitor's outstanding reporting. And if you haven't done so, please subscribe to our El Monitor podcast on your favorite podcast platform, on Israel with Ben Caspit and on the Middle East with me, Andrew Parasoliti. We've just heard one of the last pure and clear oppositional voices in the Israeli political scene. Together with Avigdor Lieberman's Israel Betenu, Lapid's Yeshatid is trying now to fill the huge gap that was left after the collapse and dismantling of the original blue and white as a real alive and kicking alternative. You can hardly find a harder mission in the global political scene on 2020. The rival, a sitting almost immortal prime minister, is one of the most experienced, sharp, and ruthless politicians alive. A leader that proves every day that what was regarded unspoken of just yesterday can happen easily. If, the issues, if on the issues of the annexation, COVID-19, and Bibi's trial, Ofer Shelach's remarks were almost obvious, I think the real headline he gave us is the fact that Yashatid is still standing behind Lapid's declaration from a couple of weeks ago. If Netanyahu will need this party's voices in order to cancel the rotation deal with Gantz, he will get it. It's unbelievable. It seems that in Yeshatid, the loathe towards Gantz is stronger than the hate towards Netanyahu. On the other hand, a real opposition party should always strive to election. And this is what Yeshatid is trying to do. What will be its chances in these elections, we will know in the future. Thank you for being with us. We will meet you here in Al Monitor's own Israel 
next week. Bye-bye.